but not, not this morning. No. Proverbs 31, verse 11. We are going to continue on in our series about the Proverbs 31 wife. And uh, we're, you know, this, this portion of verse number 11 kind of, it made me think of some practical things that the scriptures teaches us and that the Bible will teach us about uh, what, this, uh, what this verse is saying about no need of spoil. And there's a few different applications for that. And it's, it's incumbent upon us to really study the scriptures and look at what the King James Bible, you know, means by the word spoil. You know what I mean? What that means and have a good understanding of, of the scriptures uh, through it to understand. Because sometimes, you know, we, we, use, we can use things in a modern way. And if our interpretation of things is what mo- the way a word is used moder- modernly, like, like now uh, in modern days that we live in, if it's used that way, we may be wrong about how we're interpreting a Bible verse because we're not interpreting it from the Bible, from the scriptures and from what God is, the, the message that God is teaching uh, us through there. So it's important. Or maybe we have one application of that, but not all of them that is in the scriptures that we we see. So the the King James Bible does interpret itself. It has a built-in interpretation, uh, a a built-in encyclopedia dictionary of, uh, you know, of things that that it explains and teaches us. For instance, you know, I I love it when God tells you to walk in the Spirit, and then he spends the next 10 verses telling you how to do that. But if you don't read those other 10 verses, you'll just say, yeah, walk in the Spirit. So you run around like a Pentecostal and you run around like a nut and, and, and all that. No, he tells you how to walk in the Spirit. Right. It's, it, it, and, he, and he explains it. Every time Paul says something like that, um, or, or the Lord, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said this and, and gave it to us for understanding, he explains how to do it. He never leaves you with like, well, I wonder how you walk in the Spirit. Huh, I wonder how you're supposed to do that. No, he doesn't leave it that. Or he tells you to be filled with the Spirit, and then he tells you how to be filled with the Spirit. He explains it all to you. It's all there. It's just most people don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> they would like it to be they they would like it to be preconceived notions of things and not exactly what the scriptures say. That's a very dangerous place to be. We ought to find from the Bible what the Bible is what what God is speaking to us, you know, from the scriptures and understand it. But there are practical things that God has given us for us to understand, so for us to look at the scriptures and practically apply the meaning of things to our everyday life, which is what God wants. That's what preaching does. Preaching takes the word of God and it applies it directly to where you're at right now in your life and or where you may be one day, right? So this book, people say uh, they, they have uh, genres of books in bookstores, and they have one called Christian Living. Well, everything, everything in this book is Christian living. <laughs> I mean, everything in the New Testament is designed to explain to you how to live like Christ, how to be like Christ in your everyday life, or how to follow the examples of the apostles that you were given, and how to obey them. That is Christian living, right? That, that, there's biographical teaching. All of those things are all in the Bible. I'm not saying you can't learn from other people or other godly uh, examples or anything like that, but the scriptures define the scriptures. They give us what we need, and we need to remember that because that's our authority for everything. It's our authority for how we raise our family, how we live our lives, what church we go to, you know, all of the, the decisions that we make in life. Everything is based on this book, or should be, and if it's not based on this book, I didn't say it's based on my opinion. It's based on what I want for you as a pastor or what somebody else may want for you. No, it's based on, it should be based on this book, right? Because this, we all bow the knee to God's word. We all must bow to God. We all must be uh, surrendered to God's word. 
That's why there's no such thing as, you know, a spiritual dictator in that sense or anything like that in the Lord's churches. They have one in Rome. It's called the Pope. But, and he's the dictator of all, and he is God on earth. Well, no, this book is what reigns. This book is what we're to follow until we go home, until we see Christ face to face. So the, the importance of that cannot be overstated. Again, I, I drive that home to you, that the, that the book that you have in front of you, when I speak of the Holy Scriptures, I speak of the book that, I, that you have in front of you. Amen. So you don't have to wonder where to find it. You don't have to wonder where to go to get it. You don't have to wonder about uh, anything else. It's right in front of you. It's right here, and you learn from it. And you, you derive everything that you believe from it. Amen? Proverbs 31, verse 11, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Now, we talked about the heart of her husband safely trusting in her. Uh, does your husband trust you? We talked about that. You know, we, we went through that. Now, what we, we want to do is talk about that he shall have no need of spoil. Some practical applications of things for the married life. Practical applications for a father or, or for a mother and, and a wife. Uh, to her family, or even, uh, you know, the father and mother together as we look at the concept of having no need of spoil and things of that nature. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all that you do, and we pray, Lord, that you'd bless us. Help us to be obedient to your book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there are many people in this world that are waiting to have more. They, they, they always want more. They look at others, and I'm not even discussing really envy, but they marvel at what others have. And youth is often like that. We see what others, what older people have, and that we believe that we should have those things right away. Sometimes you'll look at your marriage like that as you're young and your marriage is new or, or you haven't been married that long and you haven't been working on it. And you'll look at other marriages and you'll think in your mind, well, mine should be like that. Well, one day it may be like that if you're faithful and you do what's right, but they didn't get that way overnight. You don't build up that communication or that love or respect for one another overnight. It doesn't happen like that. It happens through many years of toil, trial, mistakes, repentance, getting things right, correction, instruction, and growing together. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen overnight. When you see how they raise their children and how they do those things, those things happen through hard work. They don't happen by accident. They don't happen because you check out of your marriage or you check out of your responsibilities or you don't pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing. No, they happen on purpose. They did happen on purpose because people feared God and they look at that and they say, you know what, we're going to make sure this is done right because we do fear God. And if God's word says this, then we're going we're gonna to do our best to do what God says. And we're not always perfect, but boy, we're going to do our best to be exactly what God wants us to be. That's, that's vitally important that you understand that. Uh, some of you, the, the, the one thing that you will lack and the one thing that you will battle with your whole Christian life is always a series of that. There's going to be always in your Christian life, you're going to battle with patience. At every stage of your Christian life, I can guarantee you, according to the scriptures, that your trials and temptations will, will try your faith and your patience every step of the way. And some trials and some battles with patience take years. They take years. I know you want to hear, no, that takes moments. No, it doesn't. It takes years. 
Some trials take years to get through. Some things that you'll battle through uh, as a husband and a wife in marriage and learning and growing, they take years. Sometimes it'll take years for your wife to grow up. I mean that. And sometimes it'll take years and maybe even decades for your husband to grow up. To stop acting like a kid. In some ways. I don't mean in every way, but there's some... Hey, let's be honest. All of us have levels of immaturity in us. We just do. And then, and then at some point, God reveals it to us and we're like, oh... I got to stop doing that. Like, I, I can't do that. I can't be that way. Have you been through that? I have. <laughs> I have. I pastored for 17 years, and I can tell you what, I've been married for 21, and there has definitely been a lot of times where I've acted like an immature person. Just not, not where I should be in that area. And God reveals it to me. And then I have to get it right. And I have to say, well, you know what, I... I can't act like a kid anymore. I got to put that away. I got to put away childish things. That's not just talking about entertainment, right? That's talking about just your your you and I our attitude and our fun and our attitudes and our functions and the way we do things, right? We have to sometimes say, you know what? I, I got to quit doing that. I got to grow up. I got, I got to grow up. And God shows you that. Now you can't play games anymore. It's time to grow up because your decisions affect your entire family. How you deal with something will affect your loved ones and people around you for the rest of their life. So that sobers you up. I'll tell you what, God continues to sober me up to things when I think about my children and I think about the future. I think about the fact that, you know, every single child that we have, we're going to unleash on somebody else one day. And I, I don't mean that in a, uh, to... to you know, to sound in a bad way or anything, but, but I mean, we're going we're gonna to let them go and give them away. And they're, they're going out to somebody else. And if we're not careful, and if we're not right about how we do it, man, that's going to affect their life. You know that, right? Some of you had parents that didn't do anywhere near what they're, they're horrible things. They weren't good parents at all to you. And it affected your life for years. It still affects it to this day. So take heed to how you work, right? We have to take heed to our work. We have to be patient. In some areas, and we have to, we have to come to a level of maturity. You know, a lot of times early on in marriage, uh, people, when, it, when the Bible talks about spoil, it talks about the spoils of war as well that he have no need for spoil. And we'll get to that, but he's talking about like the spoils of war. Like that man didn't have to go out because he had a high maintenance wife, that he had to go out and he had, had a wife that wanted everything. He didn't have to go out for the spoils of war. Now, you and I aren't, we don't go to war today and we don't get to, if we, you and I went to war today, we wouldn't get to keep a single thing. That's for the, that, that's for the, that's for the uh, defense contractors and that's for the CIA and that's for all the, they keep everything. Right? And I don't want to go to war anyway. But, but how, do I, how do I make an application for that today for me? Well, we'll get to that. I'll show you how. Because there is an application today for you and I about that same thing. And, and I see families do it all over, and I'll save that for the end. I've watched them do that and destroy them. 
their families by doing it. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you and I, there is a truth of this. That sometimes we have to, you know, be, uh, that we need to learn to be good stewards of what God has given us, right? The things that God has given us. And if a wife, if we train, so number one, uh, it starts in how we train our daughters and our, our, our sons, but our daughters especially too as well. Do, do we train our, uh, you know, our daughters uh, to make do with what they have, train them to, you know, be good stewards of, of the things that we provide for them and not to waste and not to, and I mean our sons too, and not to waste things, but to use everything uh, to the best that we can. We live in a throwaway society where we literally throw everything away right? Almost everything away. And we, we rarely, it's just become popular sort of in the last couple of years to repurpose things, right? Where we would start to repurpose those things. It used to just be called survival, right? People have these trendy little YouTube pages where they repurpose everything. Well, that just used to be life. People in the Great Depression, those eras, they, they, didn't, they didn't have to do videos trendy about, hey, let's preserve this. Let's watch me repurpose this. They didn't have to do that, right? They're like, watch me survive by not throwing this away. Watch me eat a large sandwich. Right? Watch me eat that. What are you eating that for? Are you doing that for a video for like 10,000 views? No, I'm doing it because I'm starving. Amen. Yeah. Right? Eat that large sandwich. I'll eat that thing. Pop that on there. My dad told me that, that the guy that, that um, in the era that he lived in, he said when he was a little boy, he said there used to be workers that would come in and they needed a place to stay and, and his mom and dad would give them a place to stay and they would eat like bacon grease sandwiches. There's, yeah, the fat, they would love it. And when you ain't got nothing, man, that's gold. That's right? Right? But, but they, they took care of the things that they had. You know, they were, they were, they tried to, and there's a principle, especially when you first get started in marriage that you got to learn. Otherwise you can create a lot of debt. You can create a lot of things that you can't get out of. And then it, it, it makes your home life hard. It makes your home life stressful and difficult. And it's already a challenge enough because of the economy and because of the crooks. <laughs> that we have running our government and because of like 30% inflation and because you just woke up one day and your money was worth 30% less. It could buy 30% less, but you're supposed to work for the same amount of time and money and make 30% less because that's what you're doing, right? I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm just stating fact. Right. I know because when you go to try to buy stuff, it's like, whoa, like, I work the same, I mean, I'm not being lazy. I work the same amount of time. I did the same stuff, but I have 30% less buying power. Why? Because some guy said so, so it just, he just stole it from us. And so that's the way it is. That's right. I mean, that's just reality. So I'm not a victim. God takes care of me. But the point is, it's just the truth, right? It's just the way it is. So when you're starting out in marriage, you're starting out and, and you got to be careful. So we have to train our daughters, right? Starts young. We teach them not to waste and our sons. I mean that, but this is catered towards, by the way, the reason why I'm catering this and then our sons have to learn this, but their mamas are going to teach them this too, right? Because they're going to be home with them all the time. Their dads are going to teach them some things out there in the field and different things. But 
quite honestly, mom is going to be with them and showing them how to preserve things, how to take care of things, right? I mean, that's, that's going to happen. Mom's there. Dad's off working. He's got to make money. He's got to take care of things, right? So that's, that's going to happen. So mom is going to teach them, right, to preserve some things, to keep some things. And as a lady, you're going to manage a home. You manage the affairs of your husband. I can't get that to you. There's no such, by the way, and I'm going to, I'm going to, there is no such thing as a lazy housewife that's right with God because there, there is, you have, you have more work than any career woman could ever have in the world. You have way more work than them and way more important work than them. Way more important work than them. You have to be way more detail-oriented. You have to pay attention more. It's just the truth. And, and if you don't do it right, people are going to point the finger at you. Right? If you don't equip those children, if you don't equip them, they're going to point the finger at you as a mom. Because a child left himself bringing his mother to shame. It doesn't say his father in that context. It says his mother. So it's, when you get married, it's not like, okay, now I can live a life of ease. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, you're in for the work of your life. You think you worked hard at your mom and dad's. You think you worked hard doing things around there. Wait till you're managing an entire household. Because that's what your mom does. Juggling between a number, a thousand different things at once. That's what mothers do. That's, that's what their responsibility is to do. And the more that they watch their mama, the more they learn from her, the more they watch what she does, the more they're able to do. Right. It equips them. It trains them. But it starts at a young age. If you marry a high-maintenance woman as a young man, it'll cost you, it could cost you your whole marriage. You know, it's good for us to take care of our daughters well and, and their, you know, their, their, our sons and daughters well and their mothers well to show them an example of love and care and maintenance. We teach them to be frugal, not to waste things, but also that they need not, they do not need things with the most expensive taste. You don't have to have that. You teach them to be moderate and take the middle of the road for most things. Now, there are some things that you can't do that with. There are some things it is foolish to buy cheap things for. I'm just, I, there are some things that, you, that is just foolish to buy cheap things for. Because yep. uh, cheap means you can afford to pay for it twice. Right. right? There are some things that you have to pay for that are worth it. And, and there's things that you can, uh, that cost you, but you need, it, you need to have it done right just do right so I, I get that I understand that but we teach them to get by and to make do with the things that that we have you know there's a fine line between frugal and downright stingy <laughs> all right and not willing to provide things as well I I will tell you this I don't know that for every family and I'm not the judge for every family of those things but I I will tell you this I would be mighty careful that you understand the heart of your children and you're providing for them and they understand the reasoning behind why you do things and they don't just think you're cheap. 
and you don't care if they have something nice or you don't care if they have something, but it's okay. You better, you better be talking to them. You better find out if you don't have bitterness welling up in their heart because they believe that they're kind of overlooked. I'm not talking about a pampered life. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying like, you better make sure that you, that they understand your reasoning behind things and why you do things the way you do. That, that, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to sit and explain to your children things. It's not wrong to teach them why you're frugal with things and why you do the things you do. But it's also very important that, that we're careful not to operate in hypocrisy as well. Amen. That we're willing to do the best for ourselves, but we'll do the lowest common denominator for everything else or everyone else. Right? It's important to have a, a good balance with that. I'm not here to judge what yours is. I have a hard enough time figuring out mine. But I, I'm, I'm not here to do that. But I'm telling you, you ought to do that. You ought to ask God for wisdom in how you do that so you know whether your children don't think, Dad's just cheap. He's just straight up cheap. Like, he just won't, he won't do anything for... And they grow up with that mentality and they think that... Now... There's nothing wrong with, with being frugal. It's important. I'm, I'm preaching on it right now. I'm trying to get you to understand that, that that's, that's wise. But it's also important that, that we make sure that we, we kind of teach every aspect of that, the understanding of that, and why we do what we do and how we do it and those different things. Because children need to understand some of those things. It's not disobedient and wrong for them to ask you questions and to learn things. That's what you're there for. You, you need to do that. You need to understand, they need to understand your scriptural philosophies. I use that, that term, you know, in that way, your, your understanding of why you do what you do and the way you do it. I, I, I don't want my children to grow up just being yes children that nod their head at everything and have no thought. You know why? Because they're going to be the first ones to run out when something comes up. I want informed children. I want them to be informed. I want them to be submitted to their parents. I want them to be submitted to the truth. But I, but I want them to be informed. I don't want them to be like, well, just because that's, that's the way we do it. That's the way it's always been done or that's the way it's been said. That's no reason. I don't believe in geocentricity because some people, of course, nobody, hardly any of them believe it. But I don't believe in that because, because Paul preached on it. Right? I believe it because it's in the Bible. And then he backed it up with, with preaching and understanding and scientific things and, and, and praise the Lord. But we believe it because it's in the Bible. So let the things that we do, let the things that we do be able, let us be able to show our children those things. Right. I, 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 because I don't want my children to grow up and to think that that's why they do things just because that's the way your parents did them. No, we do it because of the authority of Scripture. Amen. That's why we do what we do. We don't do it for any other reason, right? We don't do it because we have really good ideas. Because most of the time, we don't. I, if we have any new ideas and great ideas, they're probably bad ideas. If I have those old time-tested ideas and teachings from the Scripture, then I'm going to be just fine. Because I'm not inventing anything new. We leave that to the psychologists and the psychiatrists that invent all their new things to help people while they put them on dope and kill them. And then, by the way, and then let them, how they raise children. They raise children by cutting their genitals off and turning them into something else. 
I'm never going to stop banging that drum and throwing that right back in their face every time I get an opportunity. Because that's the fruit of what they do. They're a bunch of Marxist devils. That's what they are. That's who they are. That's exactly who they are. Ephesians 5.28, the Bible tells us, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That's a pretty good example, right? So in other words, my likes, you know, my, my hobbies, my buying for me, I better make sure that I, I, if I well exceed for myself, that, I, that I'm not doing it at the detriment of my family. Right? So I have things in perspective. I have things in, I have things in, in, in decent order, right, with that? That I don't leave that in wanting, right? Leave them in wanting when, when it comes to things like that. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen in the ministry, I've seen a lot of things with families in the ministry, and I've seen uh, the ministry get blamed in the children's eyes for how they were provided for. Right, I've seen that. I've seen it in pastors, you know. Also, their families and 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 things not be, and the ministry gets blamed, right? And and people think, well, that's, you know, the kids grew up bitter. I've seen it in fundamentalism. I watched them grow up, grow up bitter because they grew up like poor, didn't have anything. It wasn't didn't have anything to do with, you know, they don't understand this. Some of that has to do with mismanagement of money, not taking care of things, not being wise, or whatever the case may be. Right. There, there could be a number of reasons for that, but I've seen children grow up like that. And um, it's, it's not good. So we, we have to make sure that the Lord is not blamed for our mismanagement, <laughs> our, our doing things poorly or wrong. That's a very important thing. We have to be clear with our children with things like that. So, we don't, so, the, so they don't use it to blaspheme God. Amen. But we, anyway, we train them by example. Ladies, you're training your daughters to be wives with no spoil, that they're not wasters. Look at Proverbs 18.9. The Bible gives a principle here that's a very important one. In Proverbs 18.9. I really think it's important that we mine out the importance of a wife, a godly a godly wife, the importance of the work that she does, and that we, we focus on that because I think sometimes many women can get the impression uh, that, that their work is not as important as their husband's. I think ministry-wise, when, when, when pastors preach, I think that can come across if you're not careful. And I think it's important for ladies to understand how absolutely vital their work is and how important it is. And I try to always remind you of that. Uh, You know, as we go out and preach and do the things that we do as we're in the public, we're we're, we're doing that because you're back home holding down things that need to be held down. Without that, we could not do that. God made it that way. You understand he made it fit perfectly that way. So whatever rewards that we receive for the work, you share in those same rewards. 
you should the sacrifice that you put forth you know in order for us to do those things and the time away from your husband and all of those things that you sacrifice those go to those are rewards to for your account you have to you must understand that it's it's very important that you do because without that understanding you you miss you lose sight of things and that while you're doing that while we're doing that you're conducting your ministry at home your ministry is ongoing at home that is your ministry your husband your children that is your managerial affairs. You do, do. I don't know if you realize this, but you know we, we we've used that 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 saying before: the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and different things like that, right? Well, every single major successful preacher, leader, whatever, it, president, whatever, um, those people uh, back in the old days, most of them attributed to their 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 success and the reason they are what they were to their mother. They just, to what their mother did, right? How their mother was, how their mother trained them, how their mother took time to, to teach them. Their mother. And I mean, you train, I, you don't realize, you train more preachers than I will. Amen. You, you train more preachers. You'll train more wives than I will. You'll train more plumbers, electricians, right? You'll train more blue-collar workers than I will. You'll train more computer programmers. You'll train more, you, you'll train more bankers. You'll train more of all of these things than I ever will. Because you instill in them the character and everything that it takes to succeed. Or you don't. Or you squander and waste your time. Either way. Right? You are more industrious. Everything that this Proverbs 31 woman does for her family, men and her daughters will grow up to do those things in their own households. Right? And this lady was not, this lady was more industrious than any executive woman could ever be in a job in the world. Ever. Ever. It's just, there's... Like when a lady told me that, you know, her, her son was 13 years old and she didn't need to be home with him anymore. <laughs> he's, he's fine. I mean, I don't need to be home with him. I mean, what was I supposed to do all day? I mean, we just sit around and be bored? Like what? Erica's laughing back there. What? <laughs> Who's got time to be bored? <laughs> I wish I had time to be bored. <laughs> right? But but to think like that, that mentality, well, they're just sent him off to, yeah. So. She said, well, I just let him homeschool himself at home by himself. 
with the internet. <sighs> yeah, that's the, that's the mentality, right? Proverbs 18.9, he also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. So slothful, lazy, uh, the, the lazy worker is brother to the great waster. You will notice that that trait that is yoked with another, that is slothful men or women, are wasteful men or women. Usually if someone is extremely lazy in their character, they're wasteful in their character. Why? Because the, the Proverbs 31 woman, the number, one of the number one traits that she has besides her, the heart of her husband to safely trust in her is she is industrious. She is managing the affairs of her husband's estate. Now, it is true that she will, you, you as a, a wife will grow into that managerial position. You grow stronger as time goes by. But you're a manager of your husband's affairs. You must not be lazy, but a hard worker. Because you're training your daughters to be hard workers. You know why a slothful woman or a man is a waster? How can you know that about them? I will tell you how you can know that about them. Because they waste the most precious commodity that God has given them. Time. If you will waste and squander your time, you will waste everything else. Because time is the most precious thing that we have. It goes, right? It's all we, I mean, Jesus is the most precious thing. I get that. But time, right? Time. You only have a short amount of time on this earth, right? Ask grandpa how fast 80 years went, right? Time. Time is the most precious commodity that you've been given. And if you and I squander that time, we, there's nothing that we won't squander. We have time and influence, right? As, as parents, what do we have? And a husband and wife. We have time, we have influence. We use that time to influence others. Do you? Yeah, we do, right? We use our free time to influence others for the Lord, right? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what, that's what we do. Resources and all other valuable things will be wasted. I would counsel you not to marry a lazy woman or a lazy man that does not want to be active with time but spend his time in leisure and unprofitable leisure at that. Not cultivating the mind, body, and the soul, right, in good things, but squandering it. I'm not talking about working 90 hours a week for the man. I'm talking about working for the Lord. Amen. I'm talking about you. You might work a long day and go, but, but what you do with your free time, yeah, do you cultivate your mind? Or do you veg out on stupidity? Man, I hope you're doing it in the service of the king. I'm just, I'm starting to get a lot of ideas of things. You know, we started out, Brother Paul and I, we were talking about this. Uh, Brother Andrew and I with the Colosseum and some other documentaries would do. Then I started talking to Brother Paul about, about geocentricity and the stuff that they're putting together and, and they're working on that. And I'm thinking about that. Brother Jacob and I talked yesterday about the history of open air preaching that in a year from now, Brother, I, I told him I got to table it for a year because we do not have time. 
to do it right now, but but I, I want to do, I want him and I to get together with Brother Ann, and we're going to do a documentary on the history of open air preaching. I think it's awesome. It'll be cool to have that out there and to do that, because him and I were talking about the way I said, you know what, we're going to do something on that. We're going to put that out there. It'll be different than what we do about street preaching and the practical things that we teach people and, and on tracting and street preaching. We're going to do that too, but this is going to be different. It's going to be a historical thing, and I think it'll be interesting to show that, that, that no major revival ever took place anywhere without open air preaching. Amen. So we're going to prove that. We're going to show that. We'll get it out there. Whether these pastors will read it or, or watch it or not, we'll give it to them anyway, won't we? So then we can be blameless that we did what we were supposed to do. And maybe we'll encourage a couple pastors along the way. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? We encourage some of these men along the way to do what's right. So anyway, we're going to work on that sometime in the future. So I'm thinking about all the time that we can spend doing all these other things and putting together this stuff and just continuing on, not wasting and squandering the time God has given us, but using it to the fullest. Amen. You don't want to marry somebody that doesn't want to use their time productively, that wants to waste copious amounts of time. By the way, reading, studying, all, that's not wasting time. Putting together things, that's not wasting time. I'm not talking about that, right? Cultivating your mind. And, and by the way, you do need some time for leisure. I'm not saying that that's a sin. You do need some time to get away, do that, whatever it is that, that you like to do, hunting, fishing, shooting, whatever it is, you know, trapping, whatever. There's nothing sinful about any of those things. What's that? TikTok. Maybe not TikTok. Yeah, that's a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, about the dumbest. If you ever want to ruin your brain, watch TikTok for like five. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing. There is a, there is these late. I did this thing on that that those couples. What are they called again? Dual income, no children. Dinks. Dinks. Dual income and no children. Dual income couples and no kids. Right. Dumbest thing you've ever seen. And these women get on there. Oh, my goodness. Some people do not need a camera. <laughs> they do not need internet access. They need to stay off of that. Right? China invented TikTok to make us dumb. And it worked. The dumbest stuff I've ever seen is on TikTok. These women that do their makeup in the camera while they're talking... And I hate kids, but I like monkeys and my little doggy. And I mean, we have a doggy, but we, we don't like kids. Just like, I'm like, sitting in the mirror doing that. It's like, who watches this? Me, I'm watching it. What's wrong with me? Right, this is stupid. I just lost brain cells on this. I can never get them back. No, but I used it, right, to show the vanity of it, how stupid it was, and how dumb, like, the way these people think. And can you believe it? The, the, uh, the statistics say that these people, they're like, half the people in America don't want children. And they, like, are okay with killing them, too. Like they did when they see you places, there's people that they they hate your kids. I'm just, I'm just telling you, they do. Anyway, we start out to teach our children not to waste time, but guide them in little leisure and fun and things like that. But we teach them to work and be productive, you know, to be to maintain things, to care for things, teach them to care for the things that there's worth and value in what they have. 
to everything. You know, we should not squander it or spoil the things that we have, but do our best to maintain what God has provided for us. Right? Because we're not always going to have, you're not going to have money that your parents have or, or capabilities of things right away. So you want to develop good principles of taking care of things, right? Not just replacing things. Oh, it's broke. I'm just going to replace it. Well, did you ever see how to fix it? Right? If you could fix it. There's a good thing. Don't go to TikTok. Go to YouTube and watch a video on how to fix something. Right? That's a better use of your time. Mm -hmm. And you can learn a lot. Man, it's amazing what you can learn on videos of how to, right? How to fix things, right? How to fix, how to fix a, a sink and how to fix, people that, that'll pay somebody 50 bucks an hour to go do it when you can do it. Don't do that with electricity. <laughs> we don't want you to be on the next video. <laughs> this guy's, guy's dead. <laughs> don't do that. Well, I tried it, it didn't work. Look. Look, I watched some linemen on a video. I'm climbing that pole. <laughs> Show these guys how this is done, all right? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that, okay? But anyway, we teach our, our daughters and our sons to be frugal by example. You know, we exhaust our abilities to fix something. Man, I did everything. There's some things, man, you do everything you can to fix it, and it just ain't happening. And then you got to, but you tried, right? Amen. You tried to Amen. do it, and there's no failure in that. I tried. Right. just Amen. Couldn't do it. Just ain't going to happen, right? I got to get rid of it. But those are good traits to teach our children young so they learn the value of things. Amen. So there's no need of spoil. High maintenance is not just a woman that needs all the best clothes and makeup and such things, but it can be high maintenance by not maintaining the things that we have. You know, teaching our children those principles. Right? right? So like, stop using stuff, something if it makes really terrible sounds. <laughs> Rule number one, stop using it if it makes really bad sounds. <laughs> oh no, no. There's a raccoon in there, Paul. You better look. There's something stuck in there. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Pull that raccoon out of there, man. There's a little guy in there running. I'm telling you, one of them missing cats is in there. That's what's going on. If you're missing a cat, you thought it went away. No, it's in there. It's stuck in there. But, but in all seriousness, or you're leaking oil out like that, it's like, check it. You know, check it. Don't let it just blow up. I know this is simple stuff, but I'm telling you, I only know this because I've done it. Right? So I'm not, I'm not speaking in innocence. What, you blew up cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My poor dad. Oh, yeah. I, all because I didn't check the oil, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, just, no, no, this was a long time ago, you weren't, what's it, oh, she did the right thing, oh, she called you, okay, good, all right, yeah, I, I didn't, I was with my buddies, and I was ditch banging, and running around, and just, well, it was cool, because it passed, like, five telephone poles, sideways, because if you hit the e-brake, never mind. But I, I won't tell you exactly. How, but anyway, it went sideways and we spun. And then it landed in the ditch on like the fourth or fifth pole. Had I checked the oil though. The moral of the story is not ditch banging is wrong. The moral of the story is check your oil before you blow your motor. 
because I had a leak in the oil. I didn't check it and leak in the motor and I'm trying to get out of that ditch. And we there was like six of us in that Nissan Sentra. We could have just picked it up out of the ditch almost because there was like, I don't know how I got all those guys in there, but we, but we were in there and I'm like, and we could have picked it up out of the ditch, but we didn't. I just and it died that day. <laughs> it could have. Man, that car went through it. Anyway, but, you know, just maintaining, just being careful with things. And by the way, don't go ditch banging either. But <laughs> especially in little four-cylinder cars, they don't do that well. The tires aren't big enough. When you get in the snow, it's just kind of... I should have. It was a little Nissan four-cylinder stick shift. Man, I had fun with that car. Anyway, that was like 30 years ago. Anyway, you wouldn't really get in that much trouble 30 years ago when you did that. Now, if you did that and cops saw you doing it, they'd probably pull you over and, like, beat you, yeah. <laughs> probably. Anyway. Um, but teaching our sons and our daughters to take care of what we have, right? And uh, taking care of that goes a long ways, right? But that word spoil, let's, let, let's keep moving here. That word spoil or spoiled, it means plundered, pillaged, corrupted, or rendered useless. You think about spoiled milk, right? How it's, you make cottage cheese, no. But it is spo, spo, spoiled milk, right? Corrupted or rendered useless. So then practically, um, practicality goes a long ways, right? You see, if a woman is frugal, she knows how to make things stretch so as not to waste things that, that has been provided, right? She right. turns her sewing scraps into napkins or hand towels. I always think it's interesting to watch the ladies do that, that yeah, stuff, yeah. right? It's right. like they don't, they, they just like, psh, they're just putting those together. It's like, wow, that is really cool to, to right. do that, right? And I like them better than paper towels anyway. I kind of like them anyway. So I'm like, this yeah, is, man. I like this. I like grabbing something. I like those stinking little wimpy paper towels. That's why I like to use my shop towels for everything, because those things, man, those, I swear that's how paper towels used to be made. Now they're all thin and wimpy and everything. I mean, they're just, anyway, but I, I do like those that those women make up, right? Those scraps of those things yeah. and, and use that. I think it's neat to do that in different projects and different things. I think that's good. To, I think children Amen. need to learn those things. Amen. I think it's good to watch them do that. And, and uh, you know, I, um, the, the wood stuff, the, the woodworking that Cindy and her girls do, the things that they do with that, I think it's awesome to see that. And it takes, it is, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Because like I said, all I make is trouble. I can't make anything. <laughs> Why did you do that? I can't make that look like that. I'll make that a mess. But it's, it's amazing to see, isn't it? But those are things that you teach, right? Taking leftovers. Man, my mom, when I was a kid, my mom could take leftovers. Amen. She could throw anything together yeah. in a pan, man. Yeah. And just, that's how I learned to fry everything. Man, I fry everything. I ain't like Lee. I don't smoke everything and gas everything and like <laughs> burn the life out of it so there's nothing left. So it's as dried as a, I don't do, I fry that stuff with grease, man. I Put some oil in that. Put some lard in that and fry that thing. My mom fried everything when I was a kid, man. Even my dad. I mean, <laughs> she, she can fry anything. She can make anything. Oh, you got some old mashed taters? Give me them. She'd be like, she'd make these, she'd fry up those mashed potatoes right on there. Man, mom can fry anything. Anything. I'm going to tell you, she fried everything. So I learned to do that. Just throw this in it and fry it. Somebody said, what's the recipe? We don't have one. We just throw it in there and fry it. Yep. 
Just fry it. You put oil with it, it'll taste good. <laughs> it's real, ain't it, Paul? It works, don't it? Just put bacon grease in anything. It'll work. You throw your bacon grease away, nah. -uh. You put that in a bottle, you pour that back in there, and you use that bacon grease. What are you doing? What? Or you drink it like Garrick does. We, me and Garrick are going to start a YouTube channel watching Garrick eat gross things. He already has one, but well, I figured I need to get in on it. So I'm going to find a way to market Garrick a little bit and make him look good while he eats like liquid vomit and different things that are... Watch Garrick eat these potatoes. They're not really potatoes, but watch what this kid does with them. We have boxes of stuff that Aaron gets us, so we'll try it. But... Old expired. You and Lee should do a video of old expired stuff that you're not afraid to eat. That's a great video. I watch Lee do it all the time. I don't think it's bad. Like Bill Gates drinking the poopy water. Remember, you know the video about Bill Gates? He's, you never seen him? He's like, this water was was filtered by manure and bill gates is going like this he's like he's like cringing he's feeding little brown kids that water he's cringing at it it's like you're drinking poop all right let's let's that's what you're doing stop it i don't mean save that don't save that get rid of that okay put that out on your field anyway but you can make leftovers stretch right you can make things stretch. You, we learn to do that. You, you're going to learn that because you ain't going to have a budget like maybe your parents have and different things like that. It, things will be different, right. right? When you get married and you don't, you know, you learn to be thrifty. You learn to take care of things. You learn to make things stretch if you have to. There's been times where in, in, in my marriage where, you know, you don't have nothing. <laughs> it's like, man, what happened? We don't have nothing, <laughs> Right? And then times where God is blessed, you know, and you have more. But God is blessed when you have little, too, doesn't Amen. he? Amen. Right. Because you still have, right? And some of those times are the sweetest times you'll ever have when you have the least. Right. They are. You'll remember those times of battling through things and how God got you through. Right. And how God blessed you with things. They're very important things to teach. Our young, our children, it's not wrong for them to see trials. It's not wrong for them to go through some hardships or some trials. And it's not wrong to see them go, us, uh, see us go through some of those things. And we teach them the joy of the Lord Amen. through hard times. Right. We teach them faithfulness through hard times, right? It's not wrong for them to see that. There's another aspect of spoil. I want to talk to you about this. When women are very high maintenance and need all the nice things, a pampered lifestyle of everything and all the nice clothes and makeup and everything else they're accustomed to, they tempt their husbands. They tempt them to go after the spoil. See, what this Proverbs 31 is discussing, what it says they have no need uh, of the spoil, right? What it's, what it's discussing is, is a man going off to war to make money, to get the spoil and to bring it home, right? To, to be able to pay for things. Well, I would liken that to, uh, in our day and age, what we could say to that would be, a man having to work too much, too often in order to provide for a high maintenance lifestyle. Or even sending his wife to work to make money because their tastes are so rich and they're trying to keep up with others that they have to live a life like that. It's, it's hard enough to make it not doing that, right? But, but just to have a mindset of, well, I want what the world has. I want what others have. I want this. No, you should want what God wants for you. When you pray, 
And God, give me what, what you want me to have. And if you don't want me to have this, Lord, then don't give it to me. Because it'll be bad for me if, if you don't want me to have it. You know, in the old times, at these times, men would go to war and they would get the spoils of the war and bring it back. And sometimes their wives would demand nice things. We live in a day and age where, where some people are pampered so much that they have to have all of these nice things. And, and if they don't have these things, then they're not happy. The wives are very high maintenance and they, they got to have all these fancy things. And if they don't get it, they're not happy. Don't marry a woman that's like that. Don't marry a woman that's like that. By the way, there's nothing wrong with looking nice. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. There is something wrong with going out of the bounds to do it. Because you can't do all those things without bankrupting yourself in that sense. You don't have to live like that. You can look nice and take care of yourself and have nice things and be wise about how you do it. Amen? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. But, but it, you can still be frugal and do that. I'm talking about an extravagant lifestyle. Think about it this way. There are some women that make it more difficult for them to be a keeper at home due to the fact they want to have an extravagant life. They're used to that. They're, they're accustomed to that. They desire the best clothes, the best furniture because of their desires. And because of their desires and their lack of contentment, they lead their husbands to go after the spoil so that he needs a second job or he'll put her to work because he has to live up to her and the children's expectations. Much or the reason behind two-income families today is a waste in selfishness. You have to ask your question. You've all answered this question by your lives, but... but would is it better for you would you rather do without some of the things of this life in order for your wife to be home with your children and caring for your family and 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 managing your affairs and all those things by the way it's not a case of ability right because there are ladies in here that are very capable of doing things <laughs> very capable of making money outside of the home, very capable. It's not a matter of capability, it's a matter of permissibility, right? Amen. It's, it's not a matter of ability. Before Lee was married, his wife was a teacher. Right? You could make money. You were dinks. Lee was a dink. I've always wanted to call him that. No, I'm just kidding. You were for a while, right? Two income, no kids. Traveled around. By the way, the vi in the video, they travel around, and they're like, they're all like traveling around. They're like, we, get to, we don't have any children, so we get to go to Rio de Janeiro. Why don't you stay there? No. <laughs> don't come back, please. <laughs> Destroy their life over there. Um, right? But they would talk about that. They would brag about that, right? I remember when I first started preaching these things when, when 17 years ago, right? Before Lee and Carrie had children, and before, even probably before Carrie was saved. She got saved a few months later, three or four months later. But I, I, I began to preach on those things and began to talk about those things. And time would go on, right? And then God would grow them, and then they would make those decisions. Lots of people came to those decisions in this church, right? That we're not going to do that. Cindy did like, oh, what is it, com uh, 
drafting or computer what is that called paul cad computer cad is that what it was or something CAD. like that or uh, yeah something like that that's what she did yeah <laughs> but you have a you had a degree or something like that you went to school for that right she can make money doing that graphic design yeah you can graphic design she can money doing that it's not about what you're able to do a lot of women are able to do a lot of things. We don't speak when we say, well, you're not able to do anything. That's stupid. I don't believe that. Amen. Right. <laughs> They're able to do a lot of things. Right. Amazing things. But that's not the point. It's, is it right biblically to do it? Right? It's not ability. It has nothing to do with whether you're capable of it or not. That doesn't, that never has a, a factor in that. It's, it's whether it's permitted or not, right? Whether God permits it. Right? You could ask Jessica, would she rather drive a bus or would she rather be married? I know what her answer would be. She just has to wait on the Lord. But it's not, she doesn't want to do that. She doesn't, she, I've, I've had talks with her for years about She doesn't want to do any of that. Right. She doesn't, that, that's, that, there's no desire in her heart to do any of those things. Right? So it isn't about ability and she drives well. It, is, it has nothing to do with that. Right? It doesn't have anything to do with that. Right. Well, whether you're capable of doing it or not, right? It, it doesn't, that doesn't factor into that, right? It's, it's what's right in God's eyes. That's the, that's the amazing thing about it. It's the fact that they are able to do those things, but you choose to be obedient to God. And that sacrifice is well-pleasing in the sight of God. Because God sees families that are willing to do things right, and he blesses them. Amen. Greediness in thinking they must live up to the world's standards is what we see today. Everything and not God's standard. The reason there are not more keepers at home in churches today is because married couples believe they need to go after the spoils of the world. They're making worldly comparisons. My sister asked me when she, every, you know, we have more children, right? We have eight children now. And my sister would ask me, well, one time, uh, how are they all going to go to college? How will you pay for that? Like, I ain't gonna. <laughs> and they ain't going either. Because they don't need to. But see, if you do things God's way, you don't have to do that. I'm not against a man going out and getting a career and going to college and doing whatever, study, whatever he's going to do, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But why would they need to go to college? Five of them are young ladies. So why in the world would they need college when they were created to be his helpmeet and honor God through a life of obedience and having a loving husband Amen. that cares for them and nurtures them and raises babies for the Lord? Amen. Why, would, why would I want them to do that? Why would I want to subject my daughters to those pigs? Amen. And I mean it, pigs. Amen. Why would I? Oh my goodness, I know what I was like before I was saved. And you have an entire structure that's structured around that. Why would I want my daughter a part of that? I don't even want my son a part of that. Really. But men have to do what men have to do, right? You've got to be around pigs all the time, don't you? People that talk like that filthy and nasty, you've got to be around them all the time, don't you? That's the way it goes, right? You've got to suffer it. You've got to be around people you don't agree with. People you know that aren't going the right way. People that try to influence you. Right? It's the world we live in. But my daughters don't have to be subject to that. They don't have to be a part of that. 
You know, if your family is on the same page in the beginning of your marriage or you learn this early on, you'll not accept the world's standards, but you'll follow God's standard and have no need for the world's spoils. So many men are tempted to keep up with the Joneses of the world and have everything the world's, uh, the world's women have. Churches can scarcely tell the difference now. What is the world's philosophy and what does the church follow? Does the church follow the scriptures? You can't tell the difference. They're, they're all like the same. I mean, I'm sorry, but I see a married couple that's married for like 30 years and, and they, they have children and they're celebrating like 30 years of that woman being a nurse. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to celebrate that. Right. Why? Because I don't, I think it's more successful that you wouldn't do that. That you would be your husband's wife and you would and you would care for your children and you would have something to do with your grandchildren instead of getting an extra little dog. Right. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I just hate it. If I wasn't a Christian, I'd kick those dogs every time I seen them. I just I, I hate it. I, I hate the way they poopy doopy over these dogs. I, I hate it. I just, I can't stand it. It's because all their nurturing is not going into a husband and children and grandchildren. It's going into a dog. It's a dog. That thing will eat you if it got a chance. If you were on the ground dead, it'd start biting you and eating you. If you sat there long enough, it'd eat you. Fluffy will eat you. Foo-foo's going to eat your eyeballs out, okay? You, yeah, doggy snacks at the bank. Look, it used to be lollipops for kids, but none of these eugenicists have kids anymore, so they give them doggy bones. Pull up there. Oh, Fluffy's here. Ruff, ruff. Give him a bone. I just, I, I, it just annoys, I don't know why, but that gener, it just annoys me. To, I, I can't stand it. Because I know what they would do to children. I know how they feel most of them about children. Yeah, it's what they did to children. That's right. Anyway, women can put undue pressure on men and, and the wrong wife can tempt a man to go out of God's order. Right. When she is not content with such things as she has, but following the world's standard and thinking she's doing without because her husband is not meeting those needs. You be careful not to compare yourself to the world and think, well, my husband's not meeting my needs because he's not doing this. Right. Well, those, that, make sure your standard's the Bible and not the world. Because you can put undue things on your husband, undue challenge, or on your wife, by the way, if you're not careful by comparing yourselves among yourselves in the in those in the world and thinking, well, I I need to our family we should be like this. This is the way it should be. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Christian life can be summed up with our conversation being without covetousness. That conversation is not just our words, but our lives. That we're okay if God takes something away from you, okay? Sometimes God doesn't give things to certain people because they're so covetous it just goes to their head. So he doesn't let them have it. Other people give it to that don't really care that much about it. They're just like, whatever, I don't care. Whoa, this thing is cool. And you're like, that's all right. Not that big of a deal. To them, it's not, right? Not that they're not thankful for it. It just doesn't, like, it doesn't mean anything to them like that. It's not, but some people, it means everything to them. 
and, cov and, and a covetous person, it means everything to them. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 1 Timothy uh, 6 through 9, uh, uh, verse 6 through 9. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen? Think about that for a second. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. You ain't going to be carrying nothing out when you go. Right? Like when I tried to close sales, Dave, I used to tell that to the people all the time. Look, you can't take it with you when you go. i never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul yet. Sign on the dotted line. <laughs> Come on, Garrick. I gave him the old wink of the click, and I was like, I've never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul yet. <laughs> hey, it works sometimes. <laughs> but it's true, though, isn't it? You ain't never going to see a hearse pull. By the way, I, I believe in, you know, saving for a rainy day, doing whatever you can and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, if you make your life miserable all the way up until you're dead because you're trying to save every penny you have, you just wasted your whole life. And you're going to look back and say, like, man, that dude's going to get everything I got. Right? And I, and I tried to live as cheap as I possibly could my whole life. I, I don't want to look back and say that either. Be like, man, I made everybody miserable. <laughs> but I saved it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like stuff that much. I don't like, like I, don't, I don't like life that much or money that much to do that. To make my life miserable for so many years like that if I don't have to. Like, I, I don't... I think there's a balance there that you have to have between those things. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Drown them. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Be content seven times in the Bible. Yeah. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, many a wife has led her husband to debt by never being happy with what they were provided. 1 Peter 3, 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold and the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection with their own husbands. Their adorning was that of submission. Their adorning was that of contentment. By the way, that doesn't mean it's wrong to look nice, okay, to take care of yourself and to, 
you know, the, the, don't don't confuse those two, okay? Don't think that, well, you know, I, I can't look nice and can't do these things or I, you know, I'm no one's saying that. that. God's not saying that to you. He's saying the most important thing is your heart. Make sure that your heart is the greatest thing. Make sure the countenance of who you are is the greatest thing that people see and not the outward adorning of everything else, right? Because there's nothing more beautiful than a subjected wife to her husband that loves the Lord. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Nothing is more attractive than that to God-fearing men. Nothing. Amen. Nothing is more attractive than that. Nothing. If you have that woman's heart, you have everything that you need. I'm going to say that to you again. I don't care what, what, what outward adorning there is or anything else. If you have that woman's heart, don't you dare lose it. Don't lose it. Make it the most, besides, uh, you know, your walk with God and that part of your walk, make it one of the most important things you ever do in your life. As a married couple, as you have her heart. Why? Because everything else follows. Everything. Everything. Don't betray it. Amen. Don't betray it. It takes a lot to get it back. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid of any amazement. I'm going to close with this. It's, it's, it's a, and I don't like telling stories that much, but this is real life. So I don't have an illustration book that I'm getting this from. This is real life ministry. So I think those are very powerful. When I watched it happen with my own two eyes, and uh, it's, it's very sad to see. But I remember a lady whose marriage is ended now. Her husband left her and shacked up with some woman out of the country, walked out on his family, his wife, and his children. I talked to this man many years ago. This is probably about seven, well, probably about eight years ago, maybe or so. Um, he had an opportunity to move his family to our church, and he had a lot of interest in doing that. He wanted strong preaching, strong church. He wanted non-501c3. He actually knew Brother Finney, and he was, it was one of the people that introduced me to Brother Finney's writings at the time on the 501c3 issue. He knew Andrew very well. They had worked together. This man brought his family to visit our church. His wife didn't like it. One of her main problems that she had with the church was that the women were just too plain. They weren't fancy enough. They didn't dress fancy enough. They didn't, they, 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 they didn't, they weren't, they basically weren't showy. Because if you go to like some of these big Baptist churches, uh, Sunday morning is like a pageant. It's like the offertory is like Miss America. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's just, it's pageantry. Everything is like really fancy. They get up there. And they sing their songs, and they have their really fancy outfits on. Paul, you looks like looks like every outfit looks like you're at the prom or something, except they might be covered a little better, maybe, uh, right? And they're all they're, they're all in their fancy, silky, shiny outfits, and you know they're singing their songs and looking up at that thing. I never know what they're looking at, but uh, that thing up there in the sky somewhere. And uh, anyway, they sing their songs and they do their things and they have their fancy stuff, and you know. Um, one comment that she had made was, you know, they, she didn't like the way the women were, like, they were submissive ladies. They were 
godly and they weren't dressed like whores. So, um, or flashy to show off, right? Right, so there was another family in that church that, that they went back to that owned their own business, they were close friends with and they had to keep up with each other. They bought expensive houses and cars and clothes and all the vacations and cruises and everything, you know, fancy, uh, you know, Disney World lifestyle, right? All that fancy stuff, right? That man became disillusioned, uh, always on the road working, hauling cars and such, and come to find out that he had a girlfriend he was flying out to visit years later. He developed a relationship with a woman. Now, that woman, five years before that, uh, if she had been content to be in a church like this to learn from these plain-dressed ladies that lacked extravagance but made up for it in true hearts of modesty and love to God with a sober life, she may have not aided in helping to destroy her own marriage. If he had taught his wife and children to walk with God and that comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise and that God is... Uh, taught modesty for a reason in the scriptures and that you know that that it's not important how much money you make it's important of how you serve God I'm gonna say it to you again it's not I don't care if you don't have any money at all and you just barely get by if your family loves the Lord and you follow God you have more than you can ever ask for do you understand that it's more important than anything else that you follow God and that God provides... By the way, there's nothing wrong with being dependent on God. <laughs> it, is the, it is the safest place for a Christian to be. When you're dependent on yourself and on your bank account and on your abilities and everything else, you can tend to get very arrogant and proud. I think one of the reasons God chose to do the things that he did with this church and the way that he did it was to always keep me humble and seeking when I never know how much is going to be in, how much money is going to be there, how much, where it's going to come from and how it's going to come and, and whether the, wh how God is going to meet the needs. I just believe he's going to do it. I never know how he's going to do it. I'm always surprised when I see how God's going to do it. I just never know how it's going to happen. I'm like, wow, really? I, 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 don't, I don't have like a ton of money or anything like that or any of those things. I just know where to get it from. <laughs> I know where to get it from if we need it for something. I'm always amazed at, to see that, but I would rather be that way than have copious amounts of money and not be dependent upon God or to worry about my budget, what my budget says for the church or uh, the $2 million budget and the building programs and all those other things, right, that are there. I, I would rather be dependent upon God for all of it than a system of the world in that way, the way the world does it. Anyway, five years later after this happened, this lady called me on the phone. I hadn't heard from her since then. And she had asked me if, if, you know, I considered her husband a friend of mine. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And she, she asked me if I could talk to her husband about coming back to her. Sure, I, I would. I mean, if he talked to me, I, I tell him to do right. Amen. I mean, I would. But, you know, that's very sobering, isn't it? Yeah. 
Because now somebody desires that plain living. Now they desired that plain life. Now they wanted to go back to that old plain church over there in Northfield. And now they craved that life of simplicity. So how about we do things right now? How about we live right now? And we take heed to the warnings of the scriptures and things that are given so we don't have to have those conversations on the other side. Because I don't want to. I hate those. I can't tell you the number of crying women that I've talked to in my ministry. My pastor told my dad this a long time ago, the pastor I got saved under. He said, one of the things pastors always hear is from crying women. He says, one of the number one things they hear. It's true. Now, they're not always right. Sometimes they're wrong too, right? And there's always wrong on both sides. But don't you think if, if they would have followed the simple scriptures in that mod and they wouldn't despise that modest lifestyle and that he would have been content with the wife that God had given him and they would have taught contentment and been preached to those things and and those old those plain women there at Old Paz Baptist Church that design and that that the, the reason we do the things we do right they would have followed that that would have been could have been a lot better off right but they despised it. Both of them despised it. He wanted to please his wife with everything that was extravagant and, and try to... You'll never win a woman's heart by being extravagant or buying them everything. If you don't have it now, you won't get it by doing that. And if you do, you won't want what you get anyway. Because what you'll get is some Jezebel love is what you'll get. And you don't want that. I thank God that my wife and I had nothing when we got married. Nothing. Besides love for God, which was the most important. We didn't have nothing, man. We were so broke, man, we had to end our honeymoon. <laughs> Paul, I went to McDonald's, right? I had to go home. <laughs> like, I had to borrow my dad's van. <laughs> my car wasn't going to make it there, <laughs> I didn't have nothing. <laughs> Be like, so our anniversary last year, I took her to McDonald's. It's like, I want you to remember where you came from, woman. Now eat them chicken nuggets. Man, that meal's expensive. Yeah, those aren't really chicken. I don't care. They're a nugget. Godliness with contentment is great gain, isn't it? The simplest life, man. The simple life. There can't be enough said for it. Amen. So, uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I, 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 think, I think you get the point. Just remember this one thing. The husband is the breadwinner of the family, but the wife is the bread keeper of the family. That's right. Just remember that. You, it takes both of you to make it. That's right. It takes both of you doing 100% to make it. Amen. There is no 50%. That's it takes right. both of you. Right. And if you have one heart to do it, you'll be successful. Amen. God will bless you. Right? 
if you have one heart, to do it together. Don't desire things that God doesn't, that you don't need to have. Right? There are many practical ways. We can talk about sowing, but we've already talked about those things. I, I don't need to belabor the point any longer. I think you understand the, the point. I'm never at a loss for words, that's for sure, but we'll, we'll end it right here. But I, I thought very soberly about that example because I remember it so freshly in my mind. And I felt bad for that, that lady, but I couldn't really help her. It's too late. There is a time when, not, not before God as far as salvation goes, as long as there's breath in your lungs, you can be saved, amen? God is, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you know what? You can destroy your life and take things so far that you can't come back, that your, those relationships can't come back. You can go too far and you can wound so deeply that they never come back. If those people, if they would have listened, there's a, I, I could give you, there's a, there was another couple did the same exact thing. The man's had his, he, the, the man came here and he was, he was, he basically came here. There's another couple that came and they, they came and they said to me, uh, or he, he was like vetting me to be their pastor, which is fine. You can vet me all you want. I don't care. I, I mean, what you see is what you get. You just listen to me, just be around me. You'll see my flaws real quickly. You'll see what I am real quickly. Uh, you'll see what I love real quickly. It won't be hard. I mean, I, I'm not some secret guy that's different anywhere else. I'm the same everywhere you go. You come look me up at my house. I'm the same guy there. Right? Just, nothing's going to be different like that. It's just who I am. But he wanted to vet me really hard. I mean, he, Brother Paul, he was like putting me through there. Like he took me over to Culver's 19 over there. <laughs> And boy, he put me through the ringer. He was asking me every question known to man about... He was a former pastor. He was never ordained, but he was a former pastor. And he, he, man, he was vetting me hard and everything else. And so I'm like, okay. So his family comes a couple services. He doesn't show up. His wife comes by herself for like two or three weeks, and then she quit. She quit coming. Now he's lost every bit of respect that his family ever had for him years later. They, they, they don't even, like, they, they literally, like, don't know he exists. He got, he got, they went to a different church. They went over to a church of a bunch of bossy women that taught his wife wrong, taught his wife feminism. And his, his family is just basically destroyed. His health is destroyed. He had limbs cut off his body because of diabetes and everything else. Bad stuff happened. I'm not saying it's because he didn't come here. What I'm saying, though, is, is that the, the spiritual things, I am saying that. Because if you go where truth is preached and you live it, no matter how flawed we are, God still blesses it. Amen. And you see the fruit in your lives. No, our homes aren't perfect. Our church isn't perfect. Anything else. Amen. But you know what direction we're right. going. You don't have to question, like, where are they going? You don't, you don't have to question that. You know where they're going. These people out there, they're just, they're just floundering around everywhere. They don't know where they're going. So went to that church, got taught wrong. Now he just, she, well, he despised the church before she did, though, before she despised him. And he despised any biblical instruction. That guy, by the way, that guy never talked to me again. He came that one time, vetted me like that, never showed up to church again. And his wife was coming, modest woman was coming faithful. Don't play games with God. 
You ain't doing nothing to me. You're doing it to God when it comes to those things. It's not me. This is God's, not mine. I don't own anything like that. This is God's. What we represent is this book right here. And the, that's what we do. We don't do anything. It's not us. It's not like, oh, you're offending me or, or, or another brother. No, it's God. We're trying to obey God here. We're not trying to obey ourselves. We're not led by ourselves. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We want to obey God. Follow God's pattern and you'll be blessed. Yes, you'll have trials. Yes, we'll have heartaches. Yes, we'll fail. We'll get back up again and go at it again. Amen. We don't give up. We keep fighting on until we go home. Amen. I intend by the grace of God for you to bury me or me to bury you. That's how it works. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the truth. Help us, Lord, not to live a life of spoil and to go after the spoils of this world. Help us to be content. Help us to be blessed. Help us to walk with you. God, help us to be content with what you've given us. Lord, as we look around this room, we see all the blessings of the Lord. Wives and children and husbands and families and grandfathers and grandmothers, Lord, and brothers and sisters in Christ to love each other. God, help us. Help it to be enough for us. Help us to be full by it, Lord, and to be blessed by it and to be grateful children to you. Help us not to destroy our lives and our marriages and our homes from a lack of discontentment. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.